Yet another spice rub or mix? That sounds rather ho-hum. But Uncle Bear is entering the market. We explore opening a business during the pandemic and distinguishing yourself in a crowded field. It's on tip of the tongue. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Terry Cambry. He's a Louisiana native and the maker of Uncle Bear's Dry Rub. He started this company in about March of 2019, and he now has three products. So we're going to talk to him about what it's like to start a new company and how the pandemic has affected everything. So welcome, Terry. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for having me. So tell me, how did you get the name to Uncle Bear? Um, I was dubbed with Teddy Bear as a young guy, and Bear stuck. And my nephew calls me Uncle Bear, and I thought it would be a great name for the product. Okay. So why did he call you Uncle Bear? I mean, what was there about that? Did you give him a bear? No. It was just my my, uh, nickname. I was kind of branded with that through my teens and 20s and earlier on. And so, yeah, he just started calling me Uncle Bear. Okay. Okay. So... Tell me about developing this dry rub. Is this something that you actually developed in order to sell it? Or were you one of those people that was famous for your dry rub and then people kept saying, oh, you should sell this? Well, I threw a, a lot of parties in my 30s and 40s, and I blended these you know, for my barbecue and briskets and stuff, and, and everybody liked them and enjoyed them. So I retired in 18 from the elevator industry. And I decided I would try to produce this to the public and see how it would turn out. So you're an avid cook. How is it that you developed this? I I do like cooking. It's definitely something that I enjoy. And and I did more when I was younger. I would throw parties. I would have, you know, 20 or 30 people come over. And I would always plan a day ahead. And I would make these rubs. And it took a while to get them where I wanted them, right? Uh-huh. And they turned out really good. Everybody loves my barbecue. And so um, that's how two of them came along. And your good friends always come over a little bit early, right? So the fajita blend, I made that for flank steak. So you could cook something really quick and uh-huh. go. And, you know, you can, you can make those in 15 or 20 minutes, you know. For the early rivals, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's where that one came from. So so that's how I, I pretty much did it. It was just, it was, it's a love, you know, throwing parties, having people over, right? So I did more than just meat and fish. I did, you know, we, we'd ha- do seafood and a bunch of different stuff like Chicken. that. Chicken. Chicken. Do you ever do just, you know, hamburgers? I haven't really thrown a party for, with just hamburgers. <laughs> no, it's always been a big thing, you know, we're going to. Uh-huh. You know, prepare the meat the day before. We're going to put this on it, and we're going to put it in a refrigerator. And 
let it marinate overnight, and then early in the morning put it on the pit smoker, and and uh, you know that's what we did. That's how I, I worked it anyway. And so, have you ever done like whole hog or anything like that, or has this already been you use cuts? No, we've done. I've done probably about six Kushan delays at my younger brother's house in in Biloxi. Uh huh. And we've used these rubs on that. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. So I think we're going to be doing one next year. Just every now and then we think, hey, man, we got to get one of these again. Yeah. The last one we did, I think we counted 120 people. Yeah. It's big. You know, we we try to get people to play music and stuff. And yeah, make it fun. It is, yeah. It's yeah. a wonderful thing. So did you just kind of say, okay, every time I do it, I'll play with it a little bit more? Did you actually keep records so that you knew how – how much to to add? How did you how did you actually develop it? I would write it down on paper what I put in, you know, to it, and I would tweak it, take a little out, put a little in, you know, if I wanted this flavor, I would, um, you know, add some of that, and I've moved it around through the years. And still today, if I um, want to put some ribs on and I want to add, you know, another little flavor to it, I'll add that ingredient to it. Okay. How did you finally decide that this was something that you should? actually take to market um i retired a little early and i said well i'm not just going to retire i'm going to go ahead and do something different and i decided that this was going to be the road i would take and i would put you know five or six years into it and see how it turned out mm-hmm. you know so the company opened in 18 late 18 but by the time i got everything together i had found a place to blend it for me and do all the packaging. It took about four months for that. And you had to develop a label and all that sort of thing. Right, yes. So did you have a friend who was an artist, or did you talk to some just commercial artists to do it? How did you handle that? The company that I used to do the blending pretty much had people that did this for them. Uh huh. So they introduced me to them. And I went and sat down with them, and we came up with these labels. And I, actually, this is the second set of labels. Okay. Right? The first set of labels we had, we put out, and it had the wrong UPC code on <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened with that. But after the product was out a little bit and I started seeing it on the shelf, uh-huh. and I had to do something different with it. It was, like, hidden. It's a whole new science for me to... You know, that visual pop that makes people want to take it off the shelf. Never, ever did I even remotely think about that. Uh All I'm thinking is put these ingredients together and get them to the public. Yeah, but if they never taste it because they never pick it up, they're never going to know. Right. It was hidden. You know, I went in one place and I was like, I can't even find it on the shelf. You know, it's just, it was too many, it was a yellow color and, and just where they put it was next to a bunch of yellow labels. And it was like, wow. So with the UPC code issue, um, they did the labels for me for free to redo it. And, and they said, listen, we'll do the labels because we put the wrong code on it. And I said, well, I'd like to change the labels. Will you still pay for that? And she said, fine. So the people that I'm working with are great people. Uh-huh. really are yeah. really nice. So I changed all the colors. You know, I made them brighter. 
Uh-huh. And before, all the labels were the same color, but there were small differences, like the mitt was a different color on each one. They had a different hat on the bear. Uh-huh. But now the whole can is that color. So I have three different colors, three different flavors. So that's you have to learn all of that when you're going into business, I guess. This has been a very challenging thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> to go from being a fix-it guy to learn how business works. And this business is um, it's, it's tougher than most people think. Uh-huh. I still haven't got a great grasp of it. And it's, there must be so many, not rubs necessarily, but spice mixes in general just on the market right now. Yes, there, there's a ton of them. Uh, matter of fact, some of the stores, one guy said, I, I just can't put you on the shelf. And I went around by his store, and he has a section of spices that was just huge. <laughs> I was like, I understand. I get it, right? Yeah. So uh, mine's a little bit different in the fact that it's a dry rub. And it seems like 80% of the these seasonings that are on the, on the shelves are spices seasonings slash spices mm-hmm. right so i'm i'm in a little bit different market i think with, with being a meat rub uh-huh even though you can use it as a spice to just sprinkle it on things uh-huh but it actually came from actually you know putting it on meat let it marinate overnight and use it as a, a meat rub but that's where they came from so is it possible for somebody to use this on meat marinate it overnight and then throw it in the oven or grill it on top of the stove or something like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, when I do demos, uh-huh. I do a Boston butt and I, I, I put it in a crock pot. Oh, okay. And, and just let it slow cook. Right. Yeah. It's delicious. I mean, people try it and they were like, which one do you have on here? It's so good. <laughs> it's funny. I, my first demo there's this guy, and he's just, he's looking at me, and I was like, "Come get you some, man." He goes, and he keeps waving me off, and I said, "I said, come try this stuff. It's, uh-huh. it's really good, you know." He goes, "I don't cook," so that's all right, man. Just come eat it. Right. I just want you to try you it. I'm not going to gonna feed you here. I just want you to try it. So the guy comes over, and he goes, "I gave him the Boston butt out of the crock pot, and he ate it." And he says, "Man, this is really good." I said, "Let me tell you what I did." I said, I took this can right here, and I sprinkled it all over this Boston butt, and I stuck it in the crock pot and turned it on for 10 hours on low. I said, it took me 10 minutes. He goes, that's all you did? I said, yeah. He says, well, I'm buying this, and I'm going to get me a crock pot on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) So I sold a crock pot on my my first demonstration. That's great. (laughs) So that's another thing that's, really heartwarming is, um, you know, mixing with the public. I've had some other stories. I had a little kid, and, and he's looking at me, and he's like, man. And I said, come over here and get you some, you know. I said, I got ribs, I got pork chops, and I got the Boston butt. He goes, I want, I want a rib. So I gave him the rib. He ate it, and he just took off. And about two minutes later, he's dragging mom over there, right? So... um She's like, I got, I'm on a diet, and, you know, we got to watch what we eat. And I told her all the ingredients and everything that was in it. You know, it's gluten-free, no MSGs, and 
all of that. She goes, well, which one did he try? And I said, this one. So I gave her a rib, and she's like, man, this is really good. She goes, I'm, I'm going to get this. So he's they're walking off, and she grabs him, and he whispers in her ear, and she turns around and says, he wants to take a picture with you. <laughs> <laughs> you became a celebrity. I know, right? <laughs> it, was, it was heartwarming. It really was. I wish I had the picture, but I don't have the picture. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it would be a great thing to have. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So besides learning about labeling, and, of course, when you look at the label, you have to have your description on the label. You have to have your ingredients. You have to have your nutrition facts on the label. I presume that some of that you just had the company take care of that for you. That's correct. So that isn't something that you have to actually figure out how to do yourself. Right. They, they comply with the state on all of that, right? But there has been, um, I think, the state changed some of the labeling so I have to change, actually have to add an address to the new labels. So oh. I'm actually going to do another set of labels. Mm-hmm. You know, And I want to add that there's uh, no MSGs and it's gluten-free. I want to add that to it. Add that to the label, right? yeah. And the fajita product is actually considered low sodium. I can put a low sodium sticker on that. Mm-hmm. And the other two are, are, they have less sodium than some of the other guys. Right, right. So, you know, we make a, a spice here, but it's it's not a rub. It's just a seasoning mix. But we don't have any salt in it at all. And the reason is that when we were playing with a bunch of them, you know, this company and this company and this company, when we wanted more spice, but we didn't necessarily want more salt. And every time you added, you made it too salty to get the kick you wanted with the spice. And I've and, learned to understand that. And so we just said, well, we're going to make this without salt and then let people add the salt that they want. And then you can keep raising the temperature, so to speak, without making it saltier. So that's what, that's what we've got. But we just sell it here. We're not, like, trying to market it across the country or anything like that. That's, um, that's a great concept, really, just because salt's easy to add. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's got salt in their pantry. It's not like some other seasoning that you might not have in your pantry. Right. And so everybody's got salt. And then if you really are on a low-salt diet or something like that, you can still get your, your kick without uh, – without, because you can't take it out, right. you know. Yep. So anyway, I, I totally understand that about being able to label it low sodium or something like that. All right, I have another question now. Have you, as you're became, you know, growing this company and all of that sort of thing, have you been kind of stalled by the pandemic, not being able to go out and do demos and all of that kind of thing? Absolutely. In 19, I, um, I got into 36 stores. Uh-huh. 20, I got in none. Uh, yeah, well, that's a big drop. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, right. So even though it's, you know, we're halfway through 21, I still haven't gotten into any other stores. Uh-huh. I've just last month recently started doing demos again. So I'm trying to get it kicked up and get the ball rolling. Yeah, it's almost like starting over. over because you weren't in business for very long before the pandemic happened. That's correct. And the product basically sat 
you know, the, uh, the stores that I did do demos in, they, they still moved. Some of the product was moving in those. So I kind of just maintained what I had. Uh-huh. But still, it was just too early. I didn't have enough time for for it to be, you know, out in the public. It still pretty much sat on the shelf because people don't know what it is. So what other kind of things have you are you doing for marketing um, besides doing demos? Because that relies on you. And at some point, you're not going to be able to be the person who does everything. Well, let's hope you get so big that you can't do that anymore. That wouldn't be nice but um yeah i'm just dabbling with the um radio and doing some advertising uh-huh and that's going to be um along with my demos uh-huh because the demos work you know if when they taste it they buy it you know um, last week last friday i did a demo at chris's specialty meats uh-huh and i sold five cases oh wow okay right so it, when when people try it they like it so you're getting into grocery stores and butcher shops and places like that. Right. Any other places that you're thinking of? Are you selling on the Internet? I, I am. I do have a website. So people can buy like a three-pack or something so that they get one of each? Yeah, they can buy whatever they want there. But, yeah, the three-pack is an idea that I had for, for Christmas since you brought it up. I was uh-huh. thinking about Designing a pack that would have one of each can in it and, and looks nice, you know, for somebody that's got everything, you know, and they cook just something they can grab that's relatively inexpensive and, and use it like that. So let's talk about those people who want to use this in a different way. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of fun, uh, we've had some people, for example, come to us here at the museum who want to do some marketing of olive oil. And so my thought is always, well, how can you sell a lot of olive oil? Because if you're just putting olive oil on a salad or using it to saute something, you're using a few tablespoons. I'm thinking, how could you use a cup at a time? You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And so we started helping them think about Let's take a pound cake and make it into an olive oil cake. Or instead of putting butter in, you put olive oil. And if you have a good olive oil, it really adds a lot to the flavor and it's really delicious. But you've used more than a tablespoon or two. And, you know, you're pushing that olive oil. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm trying to think that way about your, your rubs. It's like, how can you use them besides as rubs? Well, when I do demos, I do use olive oil on, on the meat and the fish that I use. I think uh-huh. olive oil helps it cook more evenly. But what other uses are there to your rubs? Um, actually, I use, well, I made art stuffed artichokes the other day, and uh-huh. I used the jalapeno in it. So you used it as a seasoning um, in, a, in a non-meat way. Correct. Okay. You know, it's okay. just breadcrumbs and cheese and a little bit of garlic and Three tablespoons of the Uncle Bears. So Three I told. Tablespoons, excuse me. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Let's put some on there. And I think I should have used four on it. It needed just a little bit more. Yeah, because bread can be kind of uh, bland. And so you want to kick it up a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I told you that I used it on sweet potato fries as the seasoning, you know, after they came out of the fryer. Wow. And then you sprinkle this this on the sweet potato fries and. 
you know, toss it around, and Dang. then you eat your sweet potato fries. That was really, really good. I'm going to have a try at it. So, yeah, that's great to hear. And, I mean, you could use it on regular French fries, too. Or I, I started thinking, well, if you made some some hash browns, you could throw some of this in the hash browns. And so I, I think that there's a lot of, of that's possible. Plus, since you've got the grill going, you know, you could grill vegetables with Absolutely. this on it. I use it. I put it on my steamed broccoli all the time. Yeah, I do, and it's, I decide which one I want. Now, I usually use either the green can, which is my basic flavoring, you know, it's, and then if I want to, that's kick, the original, that's right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then the one with the jalapeno is I, I use sometimes just to put a little kick into. It uh-huh. depends how I feel, right? Uh huh. Um, the the jalapeno is really good on fish. It really is. I, I've Demoed it with fish, and I've had people say, "Man, I've been looking for something new to put on fish." Uh huh. So I've had um, some really good results with that with fish. Shrimp also. Sometimes I'll demo shrimp. Oh yeah. So like um, grilled or scales down or baked in the oven. It's really good. Sautéed in a pan. Yeah, I could see a traditional New Orleans barbecue shrimp with this seasoning instead of a more traditional seasoning. Right, you know? kick it up and do something a little different, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, so I, I do do different things. Um, I have uh, some of my friends that I've given this to. It's like I put it on my eggs. I put it on everything. Yeah, yeah. And that was good to hear. And uh, a good friend of mine, uh, hadn't, I didn't see him in about a month. And he calls me. I said, what's up? He goes, man, I'm going to the hospital. I said, for what? You all right? He goes, yeah, I'm going, but I'm going through withdrawals because I ran out of your product. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you kidding me? No, man, i got to come and get some more of it. That's was, funny. <laughs> he's, a, he's a jokester. I also think it would be really good in um, uh, mac and cheese. Yeah, I've never tried it. But, you know, mac and cheese, as rich as it is, sometimes could do with a little kick, you know, to kind of give it a little seasoning. Right. And this would be really good in that. I like that idea. Mac and cheese is pretty much a staple for some people, you know. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I like potato salad. You know, I like to sprinkle it on potato salad. Oh yeah, and, and that's a, a staple for people. You know, sprinkle it instead of um, instead of uh, paprika on your deviled eggs. Right. You know, yes. all that kind of thing. I've um, I've done demos in some stores, and people start coming in, and they, you know, sometimes people just don't want to fool with a demo, right? But they kept telling me they're vegan. I'm vegan. I'm vegan. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this location has a lot of vegans, so. I um, reached behind me. It just happened to be by the fruit section, uh-huh. <laughs> and I got some pineapple. Ooh. And I sprinkled it on the pineapple, and I and I sold it. Started selling it with it on pineapple. And it's, did you grill the pineapple? I did not. I just had it right there, and I, uh-huh. I, I started putting it out. And they come by. I don't eat meat. I said, Well, I got it on pineapple. <laughs> and they tasted it, and it's like, Wow, this tastes really good on pineapple. I said, I know, right? You, you wouldn't think that a seasoning would be good. On fruit, but I sold it anyway on pineapple. People people purchased it after tasting it on pineapple. That sounds really good. I can also imagine it if you um, didn't use a Bloody Mary mix, but if you just used tomato juice and then you seasoned it with one of these mixes. That would be a good Bloody Mary. 
I think that the yellow one would be a great rim shot for Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it would go really well with that. Yeah. So there you go. There's a lot more to it than being a rub. I agree. Um, <laughs> so I'm imagining the cookbook, not a book book, but like a pamphlet that people can write away for. You know how you used to be able to get those pamphlets about using this product or that product. And right. I can see all sorts of interesting things. And if you ever did like a print ad, you could put an interesting um, recipe in the ad, which would yes. be which would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I still, there's a long way to go, and I'm learning. It's a complete different trade from what I'm in. I, well, I wouldn't call it a trade, but, you know, food is a wonderful thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, through my entire life, I was always looking for the next spice or the next something mm-hmm. to try. You know, I have a pantry full of it. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I dabble. I change from time to time. You uh-huh. know, I use other people's products. You know. Sure. You know? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And why not? And then what will happen is you probably start um, experimenting with things that are maybe a little bit different and maybe go toward more um, – uh, Indian or um, Middle Eastern or whatever, and you'll start throwing in cinnamon and cardamom and coriander seeds and all, right. all that kind of stuff. That would be really interesting too, because um, goodness, why not? Absolutely, you know? I love just about all food. I'm gonna tell you, I, I eat anything. Uh-huh. I'll try anything. You know. Uh, some some foods you eat and they're like it's okay, but after you go back two or three more times, it seems like it gets better. Oh yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, it's like you know I ate that; it was all right, you know. But I'm gonna try it again, and then you give it another chance, and you know it gets better. Uh-huh. So, you know, um, my father he didn't eat much; he had like four things that he ate. And I was like, Dad, you're missing out on so much stuff. Right, you really right. are. And my mom, she loved food; she would, you know. She'd try all kind of stuff. She would always make a little something for her uh-huh. and, and me uh-huh. and the other brothers, you know. So, um, I mean, she made some soups that were really, really good, low in calories and everything. She she started doing the, um, I don't forgot what diet, diet it was, but there's a program, there's a diet out there that everybody follows, and she started doing foods out of that and making her own and uh-huh. really good. She was a good cook. Oh, wow. Absolutely. I just popped into my head. Wouldn't it be good to add this to a like a praline or something, or even a um, a buttered pecan or peanuts or something like that? That would be really good. Maybe so. I don't know. I've never tried with uh, anything like that with it. But, I mean, um, why not? I why agree. Not? Um, I have a friend, and she makes pralines, and she puts a lot of cayenne and different stuff in. Well, then there right. you go. Yeah. Right. And what, uh, now is it Tabasco or one of those make chocolate? With, with Tabasco, right? yeah. One of those, yeah. So, yeah, yeah the sky's the limit, the right? The sky's the limit, absolutely. absolutely. So I, um, I, you know, I'm learning from people mm-hmm. when they try my product and they tell me that they've tried it on this and that, just like you did earlier with the sweet potatoes. You know? uh-huh. I've tried them on potatoes, and it's good. You put it in the oven, uh-huh. good stuff, right? Uh-huh. Put a little olive oil on it, uh-huh. you know, sprinkle this on there, and... And put it in the oven. It's really good. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Terry, for being here with us today. It's been a lot of fun. I agree. I enjoyed it.
Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.